Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. What does it mean for a state to be a safe haven for trans youth? Well, the Illinois Human Rights Act protects students from discrimination on the basis of their gender-related identities, meaning students must be permitted access to bathrooms, locker rooms, and sports teams aligning with their identities. That's according to the State Board of Education. Illinois also protects the rights of transgender people to access medical care in the state, shielding patients and providers from legal attacks by neighboring states that have placed restrictions on gender-affirming care. And that's why Illinois is becoming a new home for some families, leaving states where legislatures have passed laws that limit how trans kids can participate at school and the medical care that they can receive. Liz Wooten is one such parent who recently relocated her family to Chicago from Tennessee, where the Republican-dominated legislature has enacted some of the most anti-LGBTQ bills in the country. We recently spoke with her and Carrie Vine, who's executive director of Rainbow Cafe, an LGBTQ community center in Carbondale, Illinois. And Liz started by telling us about her relationship with her son. He is a true genius. Um, he is smart. He is kind. He's a dancer. Uh, he's here at a, an elite uh, ballet school. Um, he's a freshman in high school, so he does come with a little attitude, as you know, high school oh, yeah. students can be. Um, but... He's creative, and he's he's just such a kind spirit. Um, and that's why it's so important that we recognize that there's humanity behind this anti-trans legislation yeah. that affects us all. As I mentioned, your family made the move. You came from Memphis here to Chicago uh, just at the beginning of this year, right? So it's only been, you know, a few, a months. few months. And that was because of anti-trans legislation that was pa- pa- passed in Tennessee so talk to us about sort of the conversations leading up to that move, that decision to move across the country. There had to have been a breaking point. There was a breaking point. Um, so my, my son bravely came out as trans in 2020. It was um, November 21st, 2020. It was How night- was that received? Well, I, he, he came out and I looked at him and I said, I love you. And you are my son. I mean, it was immediate. I knew before he told me, but you have to let your child, your child, your children come out at their pace. Yeah. Now, um, so what I would like to say, and sorry, I'm a little shaky in my voice, and it's an emotional topic. Um, but I said, let's get him into a school that would embrace who he is. And I was told at a private school, a very elite private school in Memphis, that he would get, he would be treated as he him. He would be able to access bathrooms and care and all those things and it was uh not true and so we were there for two years well just under two years and he was suspended for using the boys bathroom and this is after spending a lot of money on a a private school and i said i can't i can't do this anymore um because we were public school parents but the legislation made it impossible for him to be who he was Mm -hmm. and illegal and could actually even i could have had cps um show up to my door you know, just for, for, you know, affirming my son. So we made that move. I'm glad you're opening up about this because many times what we find is that people who aren't affected by these laws 
they don't understand no. how how it plays out in the lives of real people, yeah. of kids, mm -hmm. families. Talk more about how this impacted your son's day to day. He wouldn't drink water. My son wasn't drinking water at school because he was too afraid to use the bathroom. Um, one thing I'm very proud of right now is that he has a water bottle that mm -hmm. he decorated uh, for his school that he attends, which I won't name, but um, he is just thriving here in Chicago. He is who he is. He's got lots of friends, very diverse, but that water bottle, I know it's just a water bottle, but man, did it make me so happy to see him decorate it and bring it to school, although he did leave it this morning. He does that sometimes. <laughs> but as, um, as kids do. As kids do. Yeah. Um, but he's just a kid. No longer do I feel that my kid is trans child. I feel like my child here is just, he's just a kid, mm. and he is being treated and respected as such. And these are all, you know, I'm grateful for the center on Halstead for helping us through this transition. They have been a beacon of hope. I'm grateful for the uh, governor for his, um, you know, his pledge to keep trans kids safe here in Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, to Mayor Johnson and to CPS. These are these are great institutions and people. Let's bring Carrie in here. Uh, your nonprofit Rainbow Cafe it, it's been experiencing growth due to the demand for resources. What is it about Carbondale that that makes it suited to welcome people looking to escape anti-trans legislation? Well, in, you know, in Carbondale, we are very, very southern Illinois. Uh, so we are uh, closer to Kentucky, closer to Tennessee, closer to St. Louis than, you know, Chicago. Um, very close ties with Chicago. Uh, I do advocacy work of, with Equality Illinois and with AIDS Foundation Chicago. Um, love Chicago, but, you know, we live here. And um, so we're the closest to lots of resources. And also here in Carbondale, we have um, Southern Illinois University. So, you know, we have a little bit of a, of a liberal spot as far as, you know, diversity and just uh, good people. And, you know, we have a lot of uh, transgender people. We have a lot of uh, queer community here. Um, so we've been very fortunate that our town is supportive, the community is supportive. And we've been able to really have just um, a ton of support. You know, when we've been opening our doors for uh, people to come here, you know, we've we've been like, come here. Um, we're safe. We're open. Um, we were used to be kind of on the edge of town um, and have our youth pro youth programming on the edge of town. Um, and recently in February, we opened our doors um, at an old historic building in the middle of town on the strip you know and we have this big rainbow awning and people walk in daily just to seek help to seek you know just support uh right. and it's it's been really amazing to be in a different location and um have that you know and uh we have lots of community activities and they they get bigger you know every time we have one they're um they're bigger, you know, and like they're the support, the mm -hmm. community organizations come out, they support and they're everybody's like, come here, it's safe, you know, to, for the most part, you know, we're still Southern Illinois, but, um, but yeah, we love it here. So, I mean, yeah. And Carrie, you were listening along to, to Liz's story. Mm -hmm. I mean, does that experience mirror those of, of the families that you have been working with? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting. And, you know, like Liz said, it's, it's not perfect. I have a child as well that's non-binary. And, you know, Liz made the comment about not drinking in school so they didn't have to go to the bathroom. Like, yeah. that's very, that's so common, you know, so they don't have to use the bathroom. And I'm just, uh it breaks your heart, you know, to hear that. And, and, and these, these youth are, are like that. That's what happens, you know, because they're scared to go to the bathroom and they're scared to do like these basic things, you know. Um, yeah. It, it is. It's just really it's devastating to a lot of a lot of youth that just can't even i mean do a basic thing like go to the bathroom yeah yeah Yeah. so you folks have been here now liz uh nine months i just did some quick math what were some of the consequences (laughs) of your move oh my gosh um there are so many uh from we have left our village Memphis is a welcoming city. Let me make that very clear. Memphis is amazing. The state and the state Republican-led assembly, state assembly had made it impossible to live our lives. We had our home. We had our network. I had, I had my own business, mm-hmm. which took 10 years to build, and I was finally at that successful place, which took 10 years. Uh, we sold all our furniture. We live in a small apartment. It's a cool neighborhood, Wicker Park. We like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we. my husband gave up his job. I mean, yes, he is now um, found his, you know, his niche here in Chicago, but it took him several months. So there was a lot of devastating fallout uh, financially. I mean, we were not in a place where we just could write a check and move everything. Mm -hmm. So um, it's taken a lot of sacrifice. And we're very blessed that my parents also made the move to Illinois, along with my brother and his sister. I'm sorry, my brother and my sister-in-law, his wife. We all went from Memphis, Tennessee or Dixon, Tennessee to Chicago and Champaign, Illinois. Okay. So yeah, it's a fallout, but wow. we all did it. Big change. Yeah, it's big change. Big change. It's I big mean, change. Uh, talk more about how life has changed for your son specifically. He's thriving. He's absolutely thriving. He is. It's okay. He's fully able to participate in school and in the dance curricular activities. Yeah, he's in the dance club. He joined um he joined an ES. Uh, he's trying to learn Spanish so he can communicate. There's a lot of uh, Venezuelan immigrants mm-hmm. and uh, Ukrainian immigrants at his school, and he is learning Spanish so that he can be communicative. With already the... trying to adapt, right? And, and so he's made lots of friends. He sends me all his little TikToks through the day. Oh, um, he is he is studying law in school. He wants to be a civil rights uh, and defense attorney. He's 14. I know, um, but. He, he has a really good head on his shoulders. And every sacrifice we've made, it's worth it. It's worth it, you said. Yeah. He's happier now. Oh, he's so like. happy. He's so happy. And I just want the listeners to know, and I'm sorry for crying. I knew this would have happened, but it was really hard to leave. And the state assembly, I mean, elections matter. So when you don't vote, just know that that can lead to very real world consequences and we're in that world right now so please think about your local elections your school board elections a lot of this anti-trans stuff actually started at the school board level in the south um and republican-led states and it it just i mean it's been going on since 2012 but it really blossomed in 2016 and took off in 2020 
you know, first they came after bathrooms and then it was sports. And it's not just Republicans. Trust me when I say there were several Democrats in our state assembly that voted against the the sports bills and the bathroom bills. So it's cultural. Um, it is, but it has got a very devastating impact on students. And they're just kids, and they just want to be kids. What's your understanding of why so many state legislators are writing anti-trans laws right fundraising. now? It's straight up fundraising. I mean, it is 100%. They, they're not winning on real world issues. They're not winning on jobs. They're not winning on the economy. They're not winning on infrastructure. They're not winning on climate change. So they are going after the people that they think they can scare the most. And that is the people that are not as informed on the LGBTQ issues because that education isn't available. So they're going to scare everybody. They're making my son into the boogeyman. My son isn't the boogeyman. And they're doing it because they're cashing checks left and right. And that's that's the bottom line. Fundraising. Carrie, uh, your reaction to, to hearing the impact that these programs have had on, on kids specifically, hearing about Liz's son now thriving, now joining you know the dance team. I know a lot of these are after-school programs that are at places like Center on Halstead. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree 100%. It's fear. It's fear-based. Um, just as Liz said, it is, you know, these um, politicians that want to um, make everybody scared or the mutilation, you know, the mutil- mutilation of children. You know, like people believe like, all these surgeries are happening to these young people. And um, it's, I believe education is important, but also like, where do you do those educations? Um, Where where does that education happen? Um, And that, you know, at Rainbow Cafe, we've been kind of trying to do a little bit of outreach and education. Um, And I know that across the state, there's been, you know, with with the Kisha Act and, and, Stuff like that, with, which is the Keeping Youth Safe and Healthy Act, things like that have been trying to happen. Um, so I, I agree. Um, and yeah, within within the state of Tennessee, within other states, the state of Texas, um, we have a family um, that came from the state of Texas. It's all the same, you know. Whatever they can do, that's the scariest or these things that are going to happen in the locker rooms or these things that are going to happen to your kids in the bathroom. Um, that's where it's coming from. You know, you got to protect your kids. You got to protect your kids. You hear that all the time. Um, mm. And it's, it's, yeah, like, yeah, they're kids, so, you know, trying to be, yeah. So Carrie, what, what, what do you wish then that the authors of these, anti-trans bills and the the people who support them, what do you wish they understood about the impact? That they're affecting real lives. They're affecting, I wish they would take a moment to like really meet, meet youth, meet youth that are, that are living these lives that are going to school and not drinking water. So they can't use the bathroom. Um, You know, that they, meet these real people, um, these brilliant, I mean, most of the youth that I work with, um, like Liz's son, are brilliant, um, brilliant kids, you know, uh, they, they want to do a ton of things and, and 
I want, I, you know, I wish these legislators would like meet all these people mm-hmm. so they would understand what they're missing out on and what they're putting these kids through yeah. when they're introducing this legislation and getting these people on the bandwagon after, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a witch hunt, you know, like they're after these, <laughs> I guess the boogeyman, that was a, that was a good word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Liz, your thoughts. I mean, what what do you wish people understood about how these laws impact real lives? My big wish is that, again, we, we you meet and talk to those in the trans community, that, whether they're children or grownups or, at, you know, adolescent age. You know someone who is in the queer community. Everybody does, whether you admit it or not. It is a truth. Um, and so get to know us. I mean, we're people, we're families, we're, we're you know, we are part of humanity. Um, and all my kid wants to do is grow up and he just wants to grow up. Mm-hmm. And something I'm going to kind of end on this as far as my perspective. For trans kids, they don't see a lot of. You know, I, I like to say, if you can see it, you can be it. Yeah. Um, they don't see a lot of trans adults that thrive. Representation. Representation. So there is a lot of self-harm, and uh, whether it be physical or mental, because uh, they don't know that they can grow up. They don't, they don't see themselves as thriving adults in the capacity that other groups do. They're marginalized in such a, such a big way. So I just want people to allow my child to just grow up. Because we know a kid, his best friend did not survive. She took her own life because her parents would not, you know, allow her to be her. And I'm, I just, I mean, that was probably the the start of our move, whether I knew that or not. Mm. Um, and I don't, I want to see my kid grow up. I want to see him be that lawyer or a car wash attendant. I don't care. It is, it is, it is time to allow our trans kids to see it, be it, thrive. Yeah. Because they're a part of our fabric. So take time to get to know us. And Carrie, we, we know that not all trans kids have parents like Liz, right? So what would you say to that kid that's listening right now that might not know how to approach a parent or approach their teacher to ask for what they need? What, what advice would you give to a trans kid that just wants some support? Just find that one supportive person in your life. Um, You know, research has shown that just one supportive person in a a queer child's life or a trans child's life can make a huge difference, whether it's a school counselor, whether it's, um, you know, a coach or, or even like an aunt or just a trusted adult that they can confide in. Or even, you know, it could be somebody's, a friend's parents, you know, it can be anybody, just, just that one trusted adult, just somebody, somebody cares, somebody will listen, somebody, whether it's somebody at a resource center in town, like, you know, Center on Halstead, you know, Liz mentioned them earlier, or Rainbow Cafe, or um, Safe Schools Alliance, or wherever, you know, wherever there, there's resources, there's going to be somebody that is going to care. Um, there's always going to be somebody that's going to care, that's going to want to listen, that's going to want to 
pay attention to what you say, and they're going to want to support you and love you for who you are. And and no matter what you you know what you represent or what gender you identify with. Yeah, I'll give you the last word, Liz. I mean, you have the ear of, of Illinoisans right now. I mean, how else can they support and just welcome families like yours? Well, first of all, thank you, Illinois, for welcoming our, our entire family, um, the whole lot of us. Uh, donate to your local um, LGBTQ plus advocacy group. Um, I also want to thank the Tennessee Equality Project and Chris Sanders, who runs it. I mean, they are doing excellent, excellent work to combat the evils that come out of Nashville every single session. Um, you know, Tennessee's on the news all the time here in Illinois, so I, I keep watching this. I want you to, to vote, vote your conscience, get to know us as a community, donate. Uh, the Trevor Project is a national organization as well, but I really believe in donating to your local community organizations that support our LGBTQ, especially our trans youth. Um, and if you know a kid or if you know anyone who is, you know, who can't come out fully as who they are, Reach out to them today. Talk to them. Say, hey, how's it going? You want to get a cup of coffee? Uh, I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. So thank you, Illinois, for welcoming us. Liz Wooten's a parent who recently relocated to Chicago in order to protect her son from anti-transgender laws that were passed in Tennessee. Carrie Vines, the executive director of the Rainbow Cafe, which is an LGBTQ community center in Carbondale, Illinois. Thank you both so much. Take care. Thank you. That episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Landon Jones. And it was edited by Meha Ahmed and Brenda Ruiz. Get the news, politics, and culture happening in Chicago by subscribing to our podcast. We post episodes every morning and afternoon, Monday through Friday, with a bonus episode on Saturdays. Sign up at wbez.org slash Reset News. That's all for today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll chat again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.